be seated. If you would like a Sword of the Lord newspaper, raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. Anyone like a Sword of the Lord newspaper? Going once. Brother McAfee needs one. Lots of news of interest, things going on around the world. Good, good messages in there. All right. Uh, every, uh, what good is it to have a reliable text if you don't read it? And so we're going to give out Bible reading schedules this morning. Everybody in the room is going to get one. And our ushers are going to bring one to you. Everybody gets one of these, fellas. So uh, last year we gave these out. Folks said it was uh, uh, one of the easiest schedules they've ever followed. And asked for us to give it out again. Everybody gets one, Brother Mike. Everybody gets one. Everybody gets one. There you go. Take it, have a plan, uh, have a time, sit down and read God's Word, and you check off the boxes. How many participated with the form last year? Okay. How many of you completed it? You made it all the way through. All right. Very good. Uh, Caitlin told me a story. Can I share this? Uh, she got down to the very end. She's going. She's in Revelation chapter 21, and she said to Zachary, "It's December 31st, and I have uh, the last chapter, uh, Revelation 21, to read, and I will have completed reading the Bible this year." And Zachary said, "You're not going to read chapter 22." And she said, there's 22 chapters. <laughs> and uh, she almost missed reading the Bible through last year because she forgot the last chapter. How sad would that have been? Uh, so uh, Zachary encouraged her to read that last chapter. She did, and she completed it. Uh, take one up to Brother Mark up in the balcony. And uh, don't, don't want to forget about our faithful, sound guy, for the 8.30 service. Take your Bibles and turn to Esther chapter 4. Uh, last time we were in Esther, we left off that the king and Haman, Haman had uh, worked the king over and got him to sign some legislation uh, that would eliminate the Jewish people in extermination. And this was a first for the media uh, Empire, Media Persia Empire, and <clears throat> verse 15 says of chapter 3, after they had done this, after they had sealed the fate of the Jews, that the king and Haman sat down to drink. Wow. But the city of Shushan was perplexed. What did that do to the Jewish people? Chapter 4, verse 1, uh, when Mordecai perceived all that was done. Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter voice. Well, why did he do that? Uh, why didn't he just go into Esther and say, hey, this is a problem. Well, it's some things you need to do. He could not go in there. He could not. And if she was a little sheltered uh, from what was going on in the world at that time. And so, uh, he went out there. He, he's, uh, he's, making a, he's making a scene. And he's doing that on purpose uh, to get, uh, get her attention. <clears throat> uh, and came even before the king's gate. 
For none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. King didn't want sad people uh, wandering around, uh, so he just made it against the law. Uh, he couldn't do that. So he couldn't come in, uh, but he could sit at the gate, and he uh, he's in sackcloth. He's a sight to behold, uh, ashes, and uh, he is uh, he is crying with a loud and bitter voice. I don't know if you've ever heard anybody cry, a loud and a bitter cry. Uh, it, it will get your attention. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Mordecai was not the only one. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it to her. She, did not, she didn't see that. She couldn't hear it. Uh, she, didn't, um, she didn't know what Mordecai was doing or that the other people were doing. Again, isolated in the king's enclave here. But they, they told it to her. Maybe as they were coming and going into work, uh, they, they saw it. They heard it. Uh, they heard the cry. They recognized that Mordecai was her uncle. And uh, they, they came with their news. Said, hey, I'm Mordecai is sitting at the gate in sackcloth and ashes. And uh, he's mourning. Uh, he, they, a bitter, bitter cry. I mean, chilling right down to the bone. Uh, they told it to her. And then was the, the queen exceedingly grieved. And she sent Raymond to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him. But he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatach, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know, to know what it was and why it was. Again, why is that? Because she's isolated, kept from what's going on in the world, uh, kept from knowing uh, what exactly has befallen the Jewish people. But she wants to know. Uh, and how did that word come to her? It came as a result of Mordecai's actions at the gate, his sackcloth, his mourning, his bitter cry. Again, it's not, not a five-minute thing. This is going on. Uh, long enough that people coming in and out of the city have seen it uh, or out of the um, uh, from ministering to the queen again back and forth to work and uh, they're taking that news to her verse 6 she's sending uh, in uh, a attache to Mordecai uh, to find out what is going on and verse 7 Mordecai is going to tell him Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasury for the Jews to destroy them. And he gave the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him, and to make request before him for the people. So Mordecai got a job for her to do. Now there's a problem. Uh, and you didn't just walk into the king and say and demand to be seen. Uh, you had to be asked. And if you came before the king without an invitation and he did not extend his scepter, they, they killed you. And so she, she was at risk. And now he's a practical man. This needs to be done. The, the decree to destroy the Jews has been signed. You, you're in a position to do something about it. Now get there and do something about it. Have you ever had somebody say to you, you're in a position to do something about it, you should do it? Well, why aren't you doing it? Well, it's not up for me to do it. I mean, I, uh, uh, they're not going to do it, but they think you ought to do it. And so, 
uh, Esther is immediately thinking, it's not going to be good because it's been a month, been 30 days, and I haven't been invited. Imagine, your husband hasn't seen you for 30 days, the king. <clears throat> that might be, might be a problem. Uh, she understands that if he, she goes in without an invitation and he doesn't extend the scepter, uh, she's, she's toast. She's done. Her life is ended. And she's very, he sees what she's in a position to do, and she sees the danger of taking the action that he has prescribed. Again, uh, verse 10, Esther spake unto Hatach and gave him commandment unto Mordecai, all the king's servants. She couldn't go up there and interact with him. And she, she's working through an intermediary, <coughs> uh, Hatach. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called. There is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. As again, Esther, a very practical thinking through. Here are the consequences if I take that action. And you better know what those consequences are. Mordecai has a retort. And they told, verse 12, they told to Mordecai Esther's words. And then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. You're a Jew. You're in the king's house. And if you think for a moment, this is going to end well for you because the commandment is to kill them all. And, and you're not going to be left because the law of the Medes and Persians could not be uh, altered. Uh, so, uh, for if thou come, for if thou alt, verse 14, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And there is the title of the message, For Such a Time of this. Verse 15, then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Father, I pray that you would help, help us uh, to be um, mindful that you are at work in the day and age in which we live and that you are not powerless. You still have the ability, the desire to work in, in our world uh, through Christians uh, who are obedient, uh, Thoughtful, contemplated, godly folks that are searching your word, searching, searching you, searching for your help. Father, you still will show yourself strong. We pray that we would be encouraged to watch you do that as we pray this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. amen. <clears throat> We're in the book of Esther. It's a neat, it's a, it's a wonderful narrative. Again, one of two books of the Bible where God uh, is not mentioned. 
But certainly at work, and it's hard to look at this and say, uh, I don't see God working, but uh, here they're fasting and praying. And if you don't associate fasting and praying with God and godliness, uh, you, uh, you're certainly uh, not in uh, tune with what God's Word requires. <clears throat> and maybe uh, you're at a point in your life, 2024, I talked to a man uh, this week. He said, uh, so how was 2023? And he said, I'm glad it's over. It, it, it had some good points, it had some really, really bad points, had some really, really low points. And he said, I'm looking forward to 2024, a new year, looking for God to do great things. Uh, he lost his wife in uh, 2023. Uh, he went through, through a time of sickness. And uh, so he looked back at that and said, boy, it just, it just wasn't good. And maybe in your life, 2023, uh, you're like Esther and Mordecai. Like the book of Esther, it just seems like God is silent. You pray, but it doesn't seem like anybody's on the other end of the line. It just seems like the needs that you have and the urgent requests that you have, and the and there has been a decree to destroy you. And it just doesn't seem like there's any answer to that. Esther is that book. Seems like God is absent, quiet, disinterested. But maybe, consider, which is what Mordecai is saying to Esther, that God has brought you into the kingdom, into America, into Virginia, into the Washington, D.C. area, into your family, into your workplace, for such a time as this. This has not taken, this, these events have not taken God by surprise, uh, he's not up in heaven wringing his hands and saying, oh, they're going to destroy the Jewish people. They destroy the Jewish people. Uh, they destroy uh, the, uh, my plan to bring salvation through the only begotten Son of the living God, Jesus Christ, uh, born in Bethlehem. Uh, again, this is a, an attack by Satan to destroy the Jewish people, God's plan, God's plan of salvation, his plan of redemption. <clears throat> I call them divine appointments, divine opportunities. Again, God is not perplexed. God is not even perplexed at our bewilderment. God, what in the world are you doing? Shushan is perplexed. Why? Because this is a degree without precedent. Media Persia has not, has, they're, they're brutal. Uh, they're brutal in warfare. But they have never done this. They have never sought to totally annihilate, wipe out, eliminate a race from the face of the earth. They've never done that. But they're, they're, they're seeking to do it here. <clears throat> genocide. This genocide is unprecedented in the media Persia culture, in their history. It just was, just was not done. Uh, again, they're acquainted with brutal warfare, but they've never gone to this extent. <clears throat> And so as you look at that, you, know, you look at our America and say, wow, this, this is a, a terrible time. You see things happening. You say, never before in the history of our country, and I'll tell you, the last several years, we have, we have seen a lot of firsts that would take your breath away. 
I sat down with my preacher friends when, when COVID first, uh, first started and they said, uh, churches all have to shut down. And I said to my preacher friends, we're not shutting down. And my, I had preacher friends that said to me, oh, it's the right thing to do. And, uh, we, we should be kind of care, caring about and considering about our fellow mankind. I said, listen, uh, if you don't think that this is a move by the government to shut down churches. You you are naive. And they said, really? Do you think that? Uh, five months later, they came to me because they were still shut down. And they said, Brother Bishop, we need to stand together to unite because this is not a two-week thing. And they're looking to shut us down altogether. And I said, I, I told you that five months ago. And uh, we never closed down. I said, jump in. The water's fine. <laughs> and I uh, encouraged them to, uh, to get going. And what did they do? Uh, they waited another two weeks. Because the government said, give us another two weeks. Again, we look at our country and look at what has happened over the last several years, and we say, wow, wow, what, what in the world? We're perplexed. What in the world is God doing? <clears throat> what should we do at a time of such as this? Well, a predictable response would be to understand, as Mordecai did, that we have an obligation. Mordecai says, we have an obligation. Esther, you have an obligation. Uh, again, the Jewish response is a good response, and that's fasting, weeping, crying, uh, even a bitter cry unto the Lord. <clears throat> Sadly, as is the case of the Jewish people, and many times the case in Christianity today, we wait until things are desperate before we cry and pray. We wait till things are so bad and our life is literally ready to be evacuated before we say, hey, you know, it might be a good time to pray. Sadly, they do that. We do that. We wait until judgment before we turn to God in repentance. <clears throat> Again, God is not mentioned, but fasting, certainly they're, they're seeking God. Uh, they're seeking God's face. <clears throat> I would say this. You are not alone. Satan desires to isolate you. Mordecai realizes we're, uh, he's not the only one. Uh, the weeping and wailing was not just him. It would be easy to say at the king's gate, I'm the only one standing at the king's gate. But there are people all over the media of Persia Empire, Christians, who are in sackcloth and ashes and weeping and wailing, Mordecai, I can't see them. Uh, they're not being broadcast on the evening news. There's no cameras that are documenting it. It's not playing on uh, TV sets or the Internet or YouTube. Uh, no, no, nobody can see that. And, and Satan wants you to think you're, you're the only one. But, but you're not. There are good people standing. Uh, there are good people taking a stand. There are good people that are crying out. There are good people that are seeking God's faith. There are good people in sackcloth and ashes as, as well. Esther is a good example of, of that Christian who is out there that just doesn't fully understand the consequences. And that is frustrating to someone who is on the cutting edge and they, and they, see, they see what's going on and they see the assault on uh, Christianity, on Christ, on the things of God's Word. And, and you, when you understand and you're talking to somebody that don't understand, uh, that's really frustrating. Esther is that person that doesn't understand. Uh, she just doesn't. <clears throat> she doesn't understand the far-reaching implications 
of what this means. And order, Mordecai is going to help her to understand. You, you think you're going, to, you're going to come out of this unscathed, untouched? I've got news for you, girl. But here's another thing about uh, uh, Mordecai. He believes God. He just believes God. He believes God is at work. He believes God is on the throne. He believes God is going to give salvation through Jesus Christ and preserve the seed through the Jewish people, uh, through Esther or through somebody else. What a great time to stand up and say. And today we celebrate the fact that Esther, after being challenged, uh, first of all, being ignorant or say ignorance kind of a harsh word uneducated is kind of a harsh just not being up to speed on what is going on in the legislative process is is clueless as to how that is going to affect her and God's promises throughout generations and Mordecai just says choose a side choose a side you're going to be on the side of God. You're going to be on the side of the government. You're going to be on the side of God's word, or you're going to be on the side of corrupt government officials. You've, you've, got, to, you've, got, to make, you've got to make a choice. You've got to choose a side. And what is it? It's a time of obligation. It's a time for Christians to stand up and be counted and say, "I'm going to stand with God." Not just the time for the preachers to stand up, or individual Christians to stand up. Or Mordecai's to stand up. It's time for everybody to take a side, choose a position, and say, I stand with God. Uh, the article, uh, the little uh, uh, Dear Abby. <clears throat> Dear Abby, I am a professional woman with three kids and a demanding job. I have few close friends. I have no time. I have a new neighbor who has reached out to me several times Asking to get together, she wants to be a friend. And she seems like a nice lady. And she says, I have no time. I have no time uh, for her. And if she's a nice lady, how do I, I ought to tell her I have no time? She said, my next free evening is in five weeks. And that's only if I can find a babysitter. I have no time. What do I do? I, I, I saw that this week and I thought, boy, isn't that like Christians? God, I have no time. I have a busy schedule. I have things going on. I don't have time for you. I don't have... A pastor gives out this, uh, read the Bible through. I don't have time to read my Bible. A pastor talks about in Esther chapter 4, taking time for prayer and fasting. I don't have time for that. Uh, and that is the cry of Christianity today. I don't have time. I can't be bothered. Not, no time to pass out a track. No time... For soul winning, no time for Bible reading, no time for prayer. I'm busy. I go to school. I've got tests coming up. I've got a job. I've got family. And before you know it, life is over. And you look back on your life and think, what, what, have, what have I accomplished? What have I accomplished? Dear Abby's response is, just tell the lady you don't have time. And you can do that. You just say to God, you know, God, I just don't have time. Deal with it. And Mordecai comes before us to say, God has given you an opportunity, it's called life, to live for him and to do things that will be celebrated for all eternity. This is in the text. God, God puts it in here that Mordecai said to Esther, this is the time 
for you to stand. This is the time for you to shine. And we can celebrate your stand for all eternity. Or, if it had gone the other way, uh, we would have been talking about that instead. You, you, you've got to choose. You've got to, you've got to decide. It's a predictable response during a time of obligation to pray and to fast and to mourn and to seek a solution, to seek God. It's also in a time of opportunity. And which is uh, verses 6 through 14, which is what Mordecai is telling Esther. This is, uh, uh, we have an obligation and we have an opportunity uh, to stand. <clears throat> and uh, Apostle Paul put it like this, and having done all to stand. <clears throat> I say, preacher, have you looked at the world events as they're unfolding? It's fearful. I might lose my job. I might... I lose my pension, I might lose my family, I might lose my health. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot to fear if you do not walk in faith. Mordecai says, listen, uh, Esther, you can absolutely not do this. You're going to perish. You're going to die. You're going to get caught up in this. And I, but, but Mordecai did not lose his faith that God was going to provide salvation in a different form or fashion if Esther failed to step up. Again, it's important, especially as you're dealing with men and women that don't want to take a stand, don't want to stand with you, and will not stand by you to understand that God is standing with you and standing by you. And Mordecai, I never lost sight of that. Just didn't. You say it's a... Just an ancient story. It's not an ancient story. It is a testimony of God's faithfulness to His Word, to His people, and to us today. The great, great lessons. Uh, and so here we say, preacher, I really want to see God work. I really want to do that. Typically, when somebody says that to me, they they say, they are saying, uh, I want to see God work through you, through me. I want to see God answer your prayers. I want to see the church uh, successful and growing and people reached and baptized through you. So let me say, one of the lessons of Esther is that God... Certainly he wants to work through a Mordecai, but God wants to work through you. Not, not just through the preacher or through Sunday school teachers or through bus workers or deacons. Not just through church leadership. God wants to work through you. Will you let him do that? Colossians, Apostle Paul, speaking to the church at Colossae in the third chapter, the first verse. Said, if ye then be risen with Christ. Are you a Christian? Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Are you, are you saved? And seek, seek those things which are above. I want you to be able... I, my crystal ball is broke. 
send it into the shop for repairs, and just as soon as I'm able to see into the future, I'll, I'll let you know. <clears throat> but I, I, I can't see that. And people come to the office and say, Pastor, what's the world going to happen? I tell them, my crystal ball is broke. I send it in for repairs. They always laugh because they know. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't see into the future. I can't tell you what is going to happen in 2024. But I want you to be able to say, as the preacher says, when I pray, God, I have no idea what you're doing. But I trust you. For Mordecai to be able to say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. I think Esther could provide a solution. But if he does, but if she doesn't, if she doesn't step up, she won't go see the king. If she won't intercede on behalf of all her Jewish relatives and friends and family, I still believe that you're going to bring salvation another way because I know that you've got a plan laid out in your word. And I, I believe God. If you're in Esther this morning, maybe you don't understand all the implications of what's going on and difficult to see yourself in the picture taking a stand for God. You have doubts. The king has not called. You know that taking a stand is not in your personality makeup. You're not that type A personality. Entering is a risk. And even if you do, you do go and you do take that stand, you ask yourself the question, who, who, who am I that the king should extend his scepter and listen to what I have to say? Again, Satan wants to isolate you and to think for you to think that you're the only one that is a nobody. We're, we're all nobodies. We're a speck on this earth. And in God's word, there are a number of guys that are high profile guys that had that same response. Who am I? Who am I? Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. God said to Moses, I want you to lead my children of Egypt of, of, out of the land of Egypt to the land of promise from Pharaoh and bondage to freedom in Christ. And Moses said, who am I? Who am I? But did God still use him? Yeah. You have to get beyond that who am I. You are a person, you are a child of God that God desires to use. First Samuel chapter 18. We have a young man. Uh, he is, uh, his name is David. And David said to Saul, who am I? Who am I? Second Samuel chapter 7 and First Chronicles chapter 17 and, and chapter 29. David said to the Lord, who am I? Who am I that you would choose me to be king and to lead your people? Second Chronicles. We look at Solomon as the greatest, uh, wisest, people say, the wisest man that walked down the face of the earth. But Solomon uh, said to the Lord in reference to building the temple, who, who, who am I? Seriously? Solomon said that? Solomon said it. David said it. Moses said it. Esther saying it. You say it. You're a, you're a blood-washed blood child of the king, and God desires to work through you. Through you. I get bewildered not by a David, Solomon, Moses, Esther, 
that have the response, who am I, that God will work through me. That just seems to be a, a humble realize, uh, response, realizing that in the scheme of things, we're really a nobody. Really a nobody. What bewilders me is the guy that stands up and says, Oh, God, I'm the one. Uh, everybody get out of the way. I'm, I'm going to charge head forward and do this and, uh, and plow through the crowd uh, without any, any acknowledgement that if you're going to be successful in school with your friends and your soul winning in your ministry, in your job, in the task that God has given you, that you're not going to do that without God's help, without that prayer and fasting. What do we got? We've got bad habits. The lady said uh, uh, this uh, new year, 2024, that she was going to do a digital detox. She, did it, she was going to go six days without her phone. <laughs> like, really? Six days? <laughs> and that's a digital detox. That's what she said. She's not going to do internet, text, uh, uh, at all. Uh, you know, that's, that's really tough, too. We're on vacation in Michigan. I had a preacher friend call me and say, hey, where are you? I said, I'm on vacation in Michigan. He said, oh, sorry, to bug, we're on vacation. Well, I got you. I got a missionary friend. I want to give him your cell phone number so he can call you. I said, I'm on vacation in Michigan. Yeah, I, want to, I want to give him your number so he can call you while you're on vacation in Michigan and talk about what God's doing in his life. I said, can't you have him, like, send, send me an email <coughs> a time? A time. Priorities are out of whack. Again, we have no time for God, the things of God, the work of God. But if you'll see it as an opportunity, God has put you here at this time, in this place, in this spot. It's an opportunity. Not for you. To be elevated, promoted, but a time of opportunity for God to show himself strong. A predictable response during a time of crisis at a time of opposition is doubt and fear, which is what Esther has. That's a predictable response. Who am I? That's a predictable response of a humble person who understands I can't do this by myself. I need God. And to turn to Him. I believe in God. Opposition requires divine intervention. Esther is not alone. Moses is not alone. David is not alone. Solomon is not alone. You are not alone. Opposition is opportunity. Again, not for you or not for me to shine, but for God to shine. Many quit in the day of opposition. They just say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done serving God. I'm done going to church. I'm done soul winning. I'm done trying to read my Bible. I'm done with prayer. I'm done with fasting. I'm just done. It, it, and they quit in the time of struggle. John chapter 4 verse 35 says, Say not ye... There are yet four months, I'll do it later, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the field, for they are white already to harvest. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be challenging. There are no promises in God's word for a life of ease. God says, lift up your eyes, wake up, look up, 
lift up your eyes. Uh, I am doing something. God is doing things in the day and age in which we live. A study. Grieve with those. Weep with those that weep. Mourn with those that mourn. Take responsibility. Face that hardship. Practice stewardship. In humility, trust God. Which is what Mordecai challenges Esther to do. And Esther gets it. And she said, I'll do it. If I perish, I perish. But I want to know that you stand with me. Will you pray with me? Get somebody else to pray with you. We love Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But part of Psalm 23 is, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, God with you. Who? God, the powerful, wise, kind, loving, heavenly Father. The path may seem dark. It may not seem like there is light. Preacher, can you see the light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, it's a, it's a freight train coming in the opposite direction, <clears throat> which is typically a, a human response. See God. See God working. God who sees the sparrow when it falls. God who has the hairs on your head numbered. And for some, that number changes every single day. And God's got those numbers. He's got, God has, God's got you. He knows. God has to do this. If I perish, I perish. But I will trust him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they looked at the fiery furnace. They looked at the king's decree in the book of Daniel and said, and king said, you bow to me or I'm going to throw you in the furnace. And they said, you know, king, not to be disrespectful, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. The God whom we serve, he is, he is able to deliver us. But if not, be it known that we will not bow, will not do it. We're not going to do it. What did God do? God showed himself strong. God did. Why is God silent? Why is he seemingly absent? Question. Has there been similar times in your life, maybe even this morning? Is God really absent? The answer is no, he's not. God is right there. He is a prayer way, waiting for you in repentance and prayer and fasting and solidarity with others to seek God's face. I ask you in 2024, will you join me in seeking God's face on behalf of our country, on behalf of our church, on behalf of our, our world, on behalf of Israel? Will, will, you, will you join me? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. You are not here by chance this morning. This is not a mistake. You are here by divine design for such a time as this. You're here this morning. You do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You say, Pastor, I'm here. I do not know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I am not on the way to heaven. I, I, I need a solution for my sin. That solution is Jesus Christ. Preacher, would you pray for me? I'm not saved. I need to be saved. Hold your hand up. Lift it up. Hold it up for a moment. Let me pray for you. Preacher, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. 2023, I'm glad the calendar's closed on that, but 2024 doesn't look much better. But I'm... I'm, I'm ready. I'm willing. 
in fasting and prayer and seeking God's face. And you can count on me to stand with you and to stand with other Christians at this time in prayer and fasting, seeking God's face, looking for God to do something miraculous, marvelous, to show himself strong. Preacher, you can count on me. That's going to be my heart crying 24-24 to seek God. I'm going to make time. I'm going to do it. Will you pray for me as I pray for you? Slip your hand up, hold it up for a moment. Preacher, you can do that. I'm committed. I'm here. Father, I thank you for Christians who love you and desire to serve you and understand that this is a, this is a big world. The crisis uh, in which we find ourselves today in our nation and our world is, is not new. It is not unprecedented. And you are the same God, the same powerful, mighty, loving, long-suffering God that desires to show yourself strong. We ask you to do that. We will be a people of prayer. We'll be praying for one another. We'll be bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. And we're going to be doing that. We're going to say, uh, we don't know what you're doing, but we trust you. We trust you to work. And we're going to keep praying and keep fasting and keep seeking you until you call us home. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. And maybe you want to start that prayer at the altar this morning. You can. Let's stand to our feet. Everyone's standing. The piano is playing. The altar is open. The invitation is not going to be long. Time to seek God's face.